0: Oh, Ash, happy Sunday! I hope you've had a good uh, couple of weeks since last last we spoke.
1: Hi, Carrie. Yeah, I have. It's been it's been really nice and um, just kind of a really chill Sunday around here. How are things going for you?
0: Similarly, yeah, it's been a chill Sunday, chill weekend actually. Like, um, didn't didn't accomplish a lot. Um, I will say that um, I've been playing uh, some uh, of the New Zelda game and. I went to bed last night with um, the experience of a couple of shrines having kicked my rear end, um, and when I woke up this morning, I could tell my brain was working on it because it's like, oh yes, that's how I do that. But I'm not like I wasn't quite in the mindset to actually go back and and, and try to uh, to take them on again. So I've just been roaming around the world having some fun in there. Um, but other than that, really not uh, doing a whole lot. Other than um, I've been trying to also come up with a revision to some curriculum that um I do for a um Coda-thon uh called We Connect the Dots. I know we've mentioned them before on on the podcast. Um and um, it's moved up this year so it's like in December uh, of this year um but it also which is great because the timing is better for everyone involved. Um but it means it's sooner and there's this thing called AI that's impacting about how we do oh, everything, right? Mm. And so it's like, okay, well, how do we interact or how do we intersect AI and introduction to JavaScript and intermediate JavaScript and eventually react? So um, I was uh, taking a little while after running around the world in Zelda trying to figure out, okay, what would be an interesting project that would teach JavaScript, but also incorporate some of the the, the basics of, uh, of AI in it. Um, I won't say that I got, um, anywhere near complete, but I did start writing some code, which I'll chalk up as a success for the weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I was actually thinking just earlier today, uh, with my wife, we just kind of got back in the area and we're kind of just chilling, uh, outside of one of the patios, having a drink and kind of looking at, uh, some things where when my daughter finishes her, Current summer camp, uh, we have about a week or so where she won't have much to do yet. My wife and I are both working. So, you know, she could hang out at home with me, but that's pretty boring if I'm just in here typing the whole time. So, uh, she has this uh, coding camp that she goes to sometimes. Uh, and they have, like, in the summer, they do like special programming where, like, come here for a week and learn how to do. Um, what was it like we've talked about this before i think at some point she was doing like micro circuits with mm-hmm. something called a uh, micro bit i think
0: it was yeah yeah i think that yeah. was
1: something oh yeah actually there, <laughs> i look <laughs> at my wall over here there's like her finishing certificate it literally says <laughs> makers with microcontrollers can uh, using micro bit and so yeah that was in february uh they have a couple of options during the week uh the main week that she'll have like the full week to kind of just do whatever and uh one option was uh like Roblox extensibility <laughs> which uh I love the idea of I think she's probably a little too early to that I don't even think she knows what Roblox is uh she does know what Minecraft is because mm, yeah. we were we were watching a video about how to make cake pops of uh Minecraft characters like the green creepers that come out and <laughs>
0: Oh, that's hilarious! Uh, yeah,
1: I got in trouble for calling them zombies. They're apparently they are officially <laughs> yes, called no. creepers.
0: But, well, because there are zombies in the game, and they look entirely different.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, see, like this is the thing. Like, I'm not like out of the loop on this stuff necessarily, but like, I just I remember playing Minecraft. I I got it for the Switch. I have nephews back in Japan that uh they were really into it. I don't know if they still are right now, but like last time I uh, visited them, they were. Like playing it. And I remember thinking at the time, if I was their age, this is all I would do. Oh, yes. The problem is always, of course, like now I'm not their age. And like, there are, I can see, like, I don't know. (laughs) We talked about this earlier, but it was like, I don't know. There are some things where I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll come back to like all of this makerism inside of Tears of the Kingdom when I'm retired. Like that game will still be playable then. (laughs)
0: Exactly. I don't really have
1: time for this right now, but I see the appeal. And (laughs) I think it is valuable Mm -hmm. for people. You know, it's a good way to, you know, no judgment on people our age doing that that's really cool uh it just happens to be the for me like i've got some other things to do uh so anyways uh coming back to the coding camp um i don't think that the roblox extensibility thing uh, is going to make sense for her given that she doesn't know what roblox is and yeah. uh probably isn't quite ready to do like python they have another one that's uh making robots with legos (laughs) and i'm literally like looking to see like how can i take time off of work to also do this summer because
0: that sounds absolutely amazing
1: (laughs) that might be honestly like the first time i ever really uh, saw programming when i think back to it right like so when when i was a kid in the 80s in the computer lab there was like a computer lab with like you know 20 computers or whatever and classes would take turns, we'd go in, they were all Apple twos. And so like, we would we would do the thing where you're like drawing pictures by plotting, you know, Mm -hmm. the X and Y coordinates and like slowly building out. That's something different. I don't know that I would call that coding per se. The first time I was ever I ever interacted with coding, I I never forget it. It was it was building a functioning um, stoplight with Legos. And nice. I don't know what language it was. It was connected to an Apple II. I do remember that because there was a Macintosh in that same classroom. Uh, and I remember thinking, <laughs> why? What's the Apple? <laughs> why is there still an Apple? There's a Mac right there. Why wouldn't we just use that? And But I remember sort of being compelled to go try it. Um, so anyways, it was... I know that like, you know, in the 80s, something like that would definitely stick out to a kid because like, where else were you seeing stuff like that? Right. But, you know, for a kid these days, maybe still interesting. I mean, my daughter likes Legos and she does like playing with computers and stuff. So I don't know. I might uh, we were talking about whether or not to send her to that uh, for a few days.
0: That sounds super cool. I, I would be all for it myself. It's like that. I, I always I remember what is it Mindstorms? I don't know if that's the current brand of of their robotic Legos. But I remember drooling over that when I was a kid going, "Ooh, this looks awesome. Um, and never, never quite having had the resources to actually make that real. And we didn't have those in our computer labs. We had the Apple twos. Um, but we didn't have the the Lego robots that went along with it. But that sounds so much fun. <laughs>
1: Do you have any idea like what those would have been coded in back in the day? Like it's probably a wild guess, but I I, I honestly don't know. Like if it was on an Apple II, that must have been, you know, it's funny because I was, I'm thinking now back to a developer event that I went to in probably 2019 here in uh, New York in Manhattan. And there was a developer evangelist, I believe from Twilio that was demonstrating again, not really doing anything with Twilio at all, but it was just like showing people like how to code on an Apple II. <laughs> and I thought I was like, wow, I'm really impressed by this because I don't think if I remember right, it didn't seem like that guy was like old enough to like have nostalgia for this so right? much as it just being like a retro thing to do. And I'm I remember looking at that thinking, like, this is really cool that you dug up an apple too. And oh, that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. How to I, do
1: that in whatever language it would have been.
0: <laughs> I I I am struggling to think like what it could what that could possibly end. I mean maybe I mean because you didn't normally have like C or anything like that. Um, it didn't work work well on that microprocessor. I mean you could you could make it, but like that's probably not what you were going to do with um to to code a ro- the robotic side of the house. So maybe assembly or a custom little bit of a custom language maybe. Oh.
1: Okay, check this out. I I just oh, put this on the screen. Or show you've notes. done
0: live spelunking.
1: <laughs> I did live spelunking, and this is actually interesting. So it comes from archive.org, like the internet archive, and it appears to be an uh like a manual for the Apple II programming from Apple. Um and it I it just says Apple II basic programming manual. So I don't know if that means like that it was basic for Apple II or or what, but my God, the, the cover of that thing! If that's not like yeah. late seventies, so sort true. of, oh, it's great! It looks like an Atari game cover.
0: Uh, if I zoom in on the cover, it's definitely Basic. The language. Um, so for that one, now whether or not you would use Basic to talk to the Legos, maybe with lots of pokes and peeks or something like that. That's really yeah, good wicked. call.
1: I do remember a lot of go-tos. That's like, oh a, yes, <laughs> that's My, a thing. <laughs> I grew up on spaghetti
0: code, and <laughs> it 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 took me to getting to college. Um, well, not quite to college, but um, I entered a, a took a Pascal class um in high school um as a dual credit with the local college. Um, but it took me getting to that point to realize that um go-tos were not the way <laughs> you structured your programs. <laughs> Yeah. Betty code I, was real.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I just, I, I remember a moment where I had to get past that go to moment. And I'm like, wait, but how do you, what does that mean? If you can't tell the code to go somewhere,
0: how do you do it?
1: How do you control things? Right? Kind of thing. And it turns out there are better ways. What do you mean uh. call a subroutine?
0: <laughs> um There was this, it reminds me of a, of a kind of a funny ser- uh, story when I went to college. Um, so I'd been taking this course, um, in high school, uh, with dual credit, um, getting good grades and with that and having a blast with Pascal. Like it was the first time I'd gotten into anything that was super, um, super fast versus like basic or slower languages and, um, went to college proper, um, different college than where I took the dual credit course. And I just came, pulled along a lot of the same stuff that I'd already been doing, and one of those was playing with the user interface. And Turbo Pascal had um, a whole set of APIs that would make it really easy to, um, you know, position the cursor on the screen and make these interesting text-based interfaces um, and all of that jazz. Um, in fact, it had a complete, um, almost like GUI, but tech, I guess tui text user interface platform called Turbovision which I thought was so cool. Um, Well before I think it's feel like well before it's time, but um, as part of the language, um, in fact, I can start, I think it was use you you do use CRT or something like that to import the module. And it had this method in it called go to X, Y. And. All it did was position the cursor so that you could put it anywhere on the screen, print out your text and and do the right thing with, you know, making interesting interfaces rather than scrolling all the time. And so I, I turned in my first program um, at, at this at the new college and I got dinged and I'm, I'm looking through the code going, why did I get dinged for for my my code? It, it all worked perfectly. It was following the right standards. And then there was a little line there saying, don't use goto. <laughs> going, but this isn't a go-to it just spelled the same way i i finally won my case but um it, it was hilarious it's like it was dr- drilled in at that level don't go to is bad never use it ever ever
1: yeah the uh sort of like grading grading via regex <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
0: <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> i'll never forget that uh i in actually the same school, uh, same era that, you know, when we were using those Apple II's not to program, but to plot pictures, this is I'm first or second grade. It must've been for me. Um, we had a teacher that at some point just said like, you're not allowed to use the word and <laughs> period. No. Cause I guess like it must've been, it wasn't just me. It was like the whole class was uh, whenever we were like writing papers, we were not allowed to use the word and, and and I say out loud um, and <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> demerit
1: <laughs> really stuck with me even to this day where it was just like this sort of prescriptive sort of if you use the word and when you write this paragraph on your homework you're you know like that's a mark against you uh, and holy, holy crap it's, yeah it, it was one of those things where I mean there there is this phase with kids right where yes. like sometimes when they're acquiring like how to really structure a thought they will tack on a lot of things with and, and run like on sentences, yes. but also like not using your, uh, what do you call them when you have like the Oxford Oxford comma or not sort of like a series, right? Like yes. this, uh-huh. this, and this kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and, you know, a kid that age would easily say this and this and this. And mm-hmm. and quite honestly, in speech, we probably do that more than we realize. Right. Uh, so the teacher to uh, just kind of like stop that, was just like no and and it wasn't forever i don't think but i think there was like in my mind it was a period of like you know a semester but it probably wasn't even that it might have been like a week but i right. just remember it being really challenging where it was like oh if i can't use the word and how am i going to construct sentences and it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah you build smaller sentences like more concise sentences and you know kind of like concept have them flow into each other
0: right yes um It. yes it, it it is interesting when you're when you're teaching um, and it even comes back to like because um, I teach um, my nephew some piano is like you get into the same situations like do it this way or don't do that period. And, and you don't always um, there's reasons why you do it, but it's not always um, inherently obvious as to you're trying to build the good habits. Sometimes it's just easier to say, "Don't go there," and you know, don't do that just to make sure that they don't build up the bad habit. So I empathize a little bit, but man, not saying the word "and, I'm not sure my brain could cope
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, thankfully, we were allowed to speak it, uh, but
0: <laughs> well that'd that be even worse?
1: That would have been vaguely traumatic, but my uh, score would
0: like, be negative in a hurry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I didn't even make it out of that first sentence, like as you and I are talking without right. saying the word and. so it happens.
0: <laughs> oh that's hilarious
1: all right so we got we got topics today uh to to cover and i'll just kind of like call these out in advance uh which we don't normally do but just to kind of like maybe help us set a little boundaries um on <laughs> how, how deep we go because trying to tackle two topics for us uh without going into uh oppenheimer length uh sort of podcasting um is is difficult uh so uh, let's I still see. need to see that movie, by the way. Yeah, me too. It, it by the really way, good. Put, put, here, thanks, Carrie. Here we go down another <laughs> rabbit hole. But like, that's yet another thing I don't have time for. Uh, I know. Quick, quick list. Quick list. Uh, do you have any other movies that are like must-sees this summer? Because for me, I have a list of them, and like I normally do not. Like I can't. Uh, maybe I go to the movie theater once a year. Uh, this summer alone, I've got like four or five. Do you have any, or is, is, Oppenheimer the one for you?
0: Oppenheimer, Barbie. Um, I'm, I'm hearing really interesting things about that. I would like to check that one out. Um, finding the time to do that one. So like doing a double feature would be kind of fun, you know, back to back or what have you. The classic um,
1: Barbenheimer. I yeah. Barbenheimer. That's that's exactly.
0: Right. Yes. Um, but those are, those are the, the, the main ones I was trying to think if I don't, um, I'd be curious, although it's probably not out. Uh, not going to happen. It will probably land on streaming before this ever happens. But um, all the stuff around Elemental, um, just trying to I, like I've heard both good and bad things, and like um, how it's you know Pixar is losing their touch, and so it kind of crossed my mind like that'd be that'd be an interesting one to check out. Is it really as as whatever as they say it is? But um, by the time I actually get there, it'll probably be on streaming. <laughs> yeah, I keep you? forgetting
1: I keep forgetting that movie exists actually, which is probably not a great place for I a know, Pixar right? film to no. be. It's uh, kind of yeah. sad. And, and, that, that, and I have a six-year-old, right? So right. That, that says something. Um, But okay. So for me, it's it's Oppenheimer. And as of today, it's Barbie. Because uh, it turns out my wife is also sort of Barbie curious. <laughs> and I thought I was the only one. So I was like, well, <laughs> I'll just sneak this in on streaming right? at some point. But it, I don't know if I can convince us. To, I, I mean, I don't know. It turns out that uh, my wife uh, is not interested in seeing Oppenheimer, which I guess makes sense. Like. That's always like a weird one because uh yeah. uh for what it's worth like if uh, to this day in Japan like on those two days they still ring civil defense, civil defense sirens oh, um, wow! every year in August on both of those days and it's a odd time to be around you know that those mornings mm. as an American um mm-hmm. I've lived through 10 of those Oh my uh, goodness. myself um I mean no that's not like obviously a, a burden for me but it, it was just like a moment of reflection every year right a couple of times in august uh so i don't know if that has much to do with it for for her i haven't really asked but we just kind of briefly chatted about it on the train today and she was like yeah uh i don't check out barbie but the oppenheimer <laughs> thing she's like i don't know if i want to watch it through that for three hours i think the length had more to do with it than anything yes uh but the other two for me are uh Two movies that both have a uh, series of films that I just binged uh, in preparation for them. Uh, Indiana Jones.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and How I'll did say I forget th- about the Indiana Jones? My yeah. goodness.
1: Well, uh, I'll, and I'll say like, honestly, like as time goes on, like Crystal Skull, uh, I don't hate it. I just watch, rewatched it. And it's probably maybe the third time I've seen it since it came out. Yeah. In 2008. And I got to say, like this last time I was like, yeah, that's an all right film.
0: Uh-huh.
1: it's okay there are I worse mean, it, ones out there <laughs> yeah i actually i think i like temple of doom less mm-hmm. question mark than that one like temple of doom i, I just i don't know like it's it's kind of its own thing um so i want to see that and then the other one i watch uh hey i don't know if you know this but like after 1994 they made five more mission impossible movies uh <laughs> i had only ever seen the first one until like last month and then i've been slowly like watching the other ones and Nice. you know what? The second one, I don't know that really vibed for me, honestly, like, but and I was like, mm, I don't know where this is going, but I'm gonna give it a chance. And um, as, I don't know, like, they just kind of kept getting more and more interesting. And I, I kind of couldn't believe it. Like, but yeah, they're they were all fun movies to watch. I, that's, yes, they're not like blowing my mind necessarily, like intellectually. But that's, you know. But that's what know, a summer movie is about
0: that, right. Sometimes yeah. your brain is not going to latch on to a super cerebral movie. Like there are times I want that, but then there are also times I would just want to veg and enjoy something fun on the screen with some high tempo music and, and something that's um exciting. I know if I think about some of the stuff too much, like it might fall apart, but that's not the point of the movie. Um, That sounds cool. Like I know I've seen, I feel like I've gotten through, I know I've seen the first two mission impossibles, um and somehow I just haven't kept up with it after the fact but hearing you say that uh they're 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 good um I might uh, have to add those to my list too
1: I, I'll say that like I I don't remember because I kind of watched them all in a month's time so that some of them blend together but from three onwards um again like two just sort of wasn't my favorite um but I don't think it was bad I'm not, but. As they go on, I literally could feel my palms getting sweaty in some of those, and like I don't tend to feel that way about a lot of movies. <laughs> right? I was like, "Oh, it was just dizzying." I mean, there's one where he's like in that giant—he's crawling on the outside of uh, some windows in that really tall um, building that is in, jeez, uh, Dubai
0: oh no Uh uh-uh nope yeah
1: it's difficult to and again like i think uh, apparently those movies are i didn't know this either until this last month but apparently those movies are pretty famous for like actually tom cruise doing the stunts so i have no idea yeah that i didn't know that i mean i don't know where i've been i mentioned this to a friend and he was like i don't know how you've made it through life without, without knowing. <laughs> knowing more about this than you do. And I, I, I don't know. I, I have no, I have no well, defense. one just assumes. <laughs> yeah. I have no defense. I mean, I've, I've seen other Tom Cruise movies since the first mission impossible, mm-hmm. but I had not seen these other ones. And I guess I just nothing, nothing naturally piqued my interest. But anyways, like there was now that I've seen them, I'm like, I was, I was crazy. Like these are all really pretty good films. They're fun. And they make me very anxious at the same time. So, <laughs>
0: so that, the, that that's a sign of a good movie. You have that setup, and then 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 the resolution, and it's satisfying. And that I always enjoy those kinds of movies.
1: All right, and I so, took a
0: soft topic already. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, here we go. No, I don't know if you did or if I did. I I really don't know. Uh, but either way, this is exactly why I'm trying to. Call our shots here and say we're going to attempt to march through two topics. And there we go. The reason I'm going to do this is that I'm going to laugh if we get, you know, a bit in and then we're like, you know what? Topic two is going to have to be for the next <laughs> episode. So here we go. All right. Here we go. Topic number one. Um, it's going to sound a little. Okay. No, I'm not even going to preamble. Sorry. I'm going to go super short. Desk setups. And we're not gonna go super deep into it. uh, But there are some interesting sort of like things that we will pull out of certain aspects of our desk. At some point, we might want to do like a full on like, how do you have your desk set up kind of thing. So I think in the last episode, we talked a bit about cable management. And like, I assure everyone listening today that I will not bore you with (laughs) how to manage your cables. But I also assure you that in the future I will. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and so I want to I want us to get there, but I want us to have real time for like how to bind your cables together, yes. uh, h- how to train your cables to uh, sort of like um, loop in a certain way. I was taught this, but on a movie set, actually, believe it or not, by a guy who specialized in lighting um, and training your cables is a whole thing. Anyways, I'm this not going to news you. to me. Um, so
0: i am looking forward to the master class
1: yeah that's right because uh if if anything from that last episode for the brief coda that we did on cable management sounds like you and i are on opposite (laughs) spectrums of that ideology (laughs) so which is fair which is totally fair um but anyway so that uh desk setup desk setup I, i told you what we will not talk about but The what we will talk about is just gonna have to be a surprise, but first, (laughs) before we get there, topic number two is about working with AI output programmatically. Mm -hmm. Um, we've we've mentioned a few times briefly about like how, um, this is a bit of a hobby horse of mine at the moment, but it's like AI, love it, lots of fun. Um, actually, I'm not as much of a critic as it seems like a lot of folks are of various aspects of it, but. I think the UI, sorry, the UX leaves like, there's still so much to be figured out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chatbots and autocompletes, uh, I think they're the first ones out the door for a reason, which is that it kind of alleviates the programmer of a lot of responsibility. (laughs) You're just throwing (laughs) out the output into a UI. And I don't mean to ding that. I get tons of value out of that. But I think the fact that um, you can't get uh, often just by default uh, struck output structured the way you want or, uh, deterministic output, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that the same input Yeah. Same input gets you the same output every time can make it very challenging. So, uh, anyways, we'll, we'll try to get to a little bit of that, but even my table of contents went on longer than it should have, uh, <laughs> Carrie desk setup. I'm going to hand the microphone over to you.
0: Yeah. Well, so I actually have two desk setups, um, but, um, they share some component, uh, common components Um, and a couple of them that I just added, which is kind of what, what initiated the topic. So um, I have the desk set up for uh, where I work every day, has a couple of monitors on it, has the LG monitor. So this is when Apple stopped making their own displays um, and the LG display was as good as uh, you could get. So it's got all the USB-C and things like that, which I really enjoy having everything running through the single monitor. Um, and, um, then my laptop sits next to it. And so, you know, basically two, two functional monitors all the time. I, I cannot, anytime I'm going elsewhere and I'm back down to one monitor, it, it, it is not long before I am literally pulling out my hair. So two monitors is a must. Um, and, um, but, um, the challenge with that, that I've been having, especially because so much of our work these days is over video, um, is The MacBook webcam sucks. She said
1: not mincing her words. Right?
0: I don't don't get it. It's like you have iPhones and iPads with decent um, hardware as far as the back facing camera. Why can't you have a good webcam in your Mac? But the other problem is is that um, this has been increasingly a problem as I've been working um, and giving presentations and the like is my LG monitor is significantly larger than my MacBook monitor is. So I've been looking for a way to can uh, to have something that would attach to that monitor because the LG monitor doesn't have a webcam, um, but still have the space for, for doing presentations um, just to get, you know, it's a 4k monitor. It's, it's uh, 24 inches compared to the MacBook display. Uh, maybe it's bigger than that even. Um and so I went on a, a dig to find out, well, what, what were some of the nice webcams out there? And I finally settled on um, this Insta360 Link webcam. And um, I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but basically, it's this little webcam that's on a gimbal. Um, so Insta360 probably sounds familiar because they've got a lot of other like gimbal recording solutions, um, handheld recorders that are on a gimbal to stabilize video and things like that. And this was their first webcam. It's not cheap, um, but it has a 4K sensor in it. It has um, a, a lot of uh, like it's, it's a movable camera, so you can control where it points um, through the software and zoom in and zoom out and it can track you um and it can do all of these other kind of cool things it has a desk mode on it which i am super eager to try out i haven't had a chance to try that one out yet um but i have this uh i I got it in um about a couple a a week ago set it up um and i have have immediately fallen in love with this this little thing um and it really makes the video quality is much better like it's still a tiny sensor so like don't expect miracles right but (laughs) it's it's it it is so much better than anything my Mac webcams put out. Now maybe the the iPhone could probably compete a bit. Um, I don't know in terms of it, it, it set up, but I really like the ability to have it do some tracking and to have it be movable. Um, so that's, that's what sold me on it. Um, and I've been really, really enjoying the heck out of that one. Um, but, it, it is a little expensive. It's not. It's not the cheapest thing in the world. And um, it
1: says uh, AI. So <laughs> I kind of smirked when I opened up the web page because it says Insta 360 Link, the AI powered 4K yes. webcam. I'm like, oh, you got that in there, didn't you? The yeah. Oh yes. So is this like sensor stage that Apple does sort of thing where it tracks you if you're moving around?
0: It can. Yes. Um, the difference is instead of what Apple's doing because their camera is fixed or the sensor is fixed, they're having to use. Um, to crop in on the display to follow you around. This is a proper gimbaled camera, so it can rotate its camera to actually do the following. Oh. So your output is a little bit cleaner. Um, but it does, and it does a pretty good job of it. Um, you can turn on the tracking. Um, I control it with a shortcut, like a physical, um, instruction because, um, the one thing I will ding it against a little bit is that I am apparently um either blessed or cursed with the right hand movements to set it off by accident (laughs) (laughs) so um i because it has gestures that you can use to control it you can tell it like start following um uh uh, start stop following start following and then you can have it like do it in like a whiteboard mode and things i've had to disable that because my hand movements will, will trigger it but the tracking is really good. Um, and so you can turn it on and it will find you and it will, it will keep pace. It'll, it, it doesn't do it like in a jerky movement or anything like that. It's nice and smooth and it will keep up with you. Um, and, um, so that's where some of the AI stuff is coming from. And the other bit is like it recognizing your gestures. So it's a half win if I were, if I would phrase it that way. Um, the gestures could use a little bit of work or I'm too vocal with my hands. One of the two. Um, but try to, I, I guess I could try to put my hands under my keyboard and never move them. Um, <laughs> so that would be fun. But, um, yeah, they had to, they definitely got the AI stuff in there and it surfaces all through their UI, like AI, this AI, that AI, the other thing. Um, and they're definitely leaning heavily on the, uh, the, the, at the, the times right now.
1: <laughs> this is interesting. I, So especially with the AI tracking stuff, I guess like having thought enough about center stage and having had to turn it off of so many different devices over the last couple of years, uh, it's easy to sort of smirk at the notion, but you, I mean, the point is that with this, the hardware is doing it, not Mm this, you're not cropping inside the software. Um, I I don't know that that's a feature I personally would use just because most of the time, like I'm you know probably like yourself like sitting at the, at the in the same place not really doing moving a lot back and forth or up and down um i can easily imagine my wife using this one actually she she teaches uh you know floral arrangement over like zoom or like video calls and there is a lot of her like manually repositioning the camera so that people can like see her and then like see what her hands are doing and stuff so um that sounds pretty interesting for that kind of use case uh, cuz the the reason i even thought of that was just sort of like what is it about having a camera follow you that everybody seems to want to make happen right now and and like again like it's really easy for an individual to like get trapped in their own lived experience enough to not understand so i was kind of like thinking through my own life and i'm like i, I literally never need that when it is on it's wrong i'm not want it <laughs> <Right>. off <laughs> it's the wrong thing i don't need that feature ever yes um but then yeah they're just thinking about somebody losing my house that yes actually would use this so yes. i guess that's one of the use cases
0: and it, i i'll i will be honest too like generally i don't need it very often like for my day to day at work like i'm i'm in the same chair nothing needs to change about my camera setup ever like it doesn't need to track me or anything Um, but, um, what I've been thinking of is, um, like if I want to do any stuff around streaming, um, maybe that involves, if that ever involves like some music stuff, um, having that little bit of latitude might be nice. Not always having to worry. Am I in my straight dead on center in the, in the frame, it could track me instead to make sure I'm in the right spot. Um, but also my mom who does, um, art, uh, videos on YouTube, um right now gets set up with a, a with an iphone that's just you know static and setting uh staring at her um this i feel like you know has a potential um uh for to to improve that regard because then it could it could follow or the desk mode maybe even is is interesting so i'm kind of evaluating it from from two different perspectives but um yeah it, it is interesting and this isn't the only camera that does it there's another one called like obsbot out there that i considered. Um, It had a little bit less video quality, but has um, apparently has a little bit more programmatic functionality. So, um, that is one thing to be aware of when it comes to like trying to programmatically control the camera. Um, It's not as complete as I would like it to be, especially in light of uh, the next part, next thing on my desk that um, I just recently added.
1: Well, I think like, you know, at least like from what I'm seeing here, like you look great on this camera. It's definitely like more high resolution than usual. And I would say that like my experience, my lived experience with the thing that we use for podcasting called Zencaster uh, is that it will definitely deprioritize the video in order to get the audio through on time. Yes. And so, but there is definitely an uptick in the quality of your video today, which is pretty cool. Uh, for For me personally, like so since I recently switched over to a Mac studio and this is my first desktop, we went to go record one of these and I'm like, oh, right. I don't have a camera because I use a Dell 4K something or other uh, alphabet soup of mm-hmm. uh, model number, but uh, it, uh, it doesn't have a camera on it. And then I realized, oh, right. But when you plug in your iPhone, you can use the thing that they do now where iPhones can uh, serve um, I think if they're tethered to the computer, like they can serve as your they as can your...
0: untether too, and I had to turn it off, oh beca- because um teams uh we use teams at work, and this is a total sidetrack thing of uh from what from what you were going into, but um, teams would randomly select a camera and it still does it, drives me up the wall, so sometimes it will select my insta three sixty sometimes it will select the internal. Um, But when I had continuity camera turned on my iPhone, it would randomly pick my continuity camera um, just by being, I guess, uh, being close by. I don't know if it was using some of that to figure out like, you know, when it should pick it up. And of course, my phone on my desk is in any number of positions. Either It might be face down or who knows what it's looking at. And so like there were several times where I was rapidly scrambling trying to get to the right camera because it was staring at um at the desk instead of my face. Um so it's like okay, um I had to turn that one off.
1: <laughs> yeah, that you know Google's suite of stuff do, tries to do that as well cuz uh, at our company we're on Google everything including Google Meet. And uh yeah, I was having trouble one time on a call where they were like, "Wait, I can kind of hear you. Wait a second. What's that loud noise?" They were like, "I can kind of hear you again." And then be really loud. Well, it turns out the phone in my pocket had usurped. Like, the audio, but not the video. Oh, no. (laughs) And, like, I've got to say, whether it's that sort of thing that you and I just described, where it's just, like, randomly picking uh, AV inputs, or, like, same for AirPods Pro, and, like, that detection of, Mm -hmm. like, what device are you near? I never want any of that stuff. Let me pick my inputs. Like, you never get it right. Yep. Devices. Like, I I don't want that. It's dangerous. And, Mm -hmm. like... At best, you know, it does something like that or it's unexpected and it's wasting your time. But at worst, like you're just like now you're sending input from God knows where.
0: Right. On yeah.
1: accident. Like who? Uh, no, I never want that. Uh-huh. I should. The user. It's so strange because usually in the Apple ecosystem, like they index pretty heavily on requiring a user input to mm-hmm. execute a certain types of actions.
0: Not but on this one.
1: <laughs> certain and on the most sensitive one, at least from right? my point of view, it's like audio and video uh, in input and output. Like suddenly those are just like kind of being tossed around like, um, I don't know, like we're juggling or something. And I, I, I don't know what the right answer is because it happens infrequently enough that uh, I haven't established like what the pattern would be. But anyways, all of that to say that like, okay, so we know that you can untether the phone if you want to use the phone as a camera for your Mac and being on a Mac Studio and uh, with a monitor that doesn't have a a camera inside of it. Like, that's what I have to do. Yeah. Now I'm in this situation mostly when we podcast, right? Because like, if I'm working, like I'm on a MacBook Pro that work has provided and there's a camera on that thing and it's good enough to get the job done. Right. so I'd say that like one of the things we, we were talking about this a bit before we started recording, but the thing I'm holding out for, of course, is like, I really want to get the Apple studio display, mm-hmm. but it, it just can't, I can't pay that much money and feel like I got ripped off on the camera. I really can't. Yeah. Like I, I've waited, uh, I don't know how long it's been since that came out, but like it, it's, it's I'm That's really like while. holding back for that. I'm just like, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that this fall that they will do a version two of that and then that's basically instant money for them as far as i'm concerned because yes. like, you, you called out something earlier that i think is kind of not not going into cable management but um i i want the monitor to be my central hub mm-hmm. and if, there's a lot of benefits to that when you have multiple macs and they're all going to run out of yes. the same monitor or cluster of monitors for me it's just one but um if i can have the camera baked into the 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 display and have it be a good camera that's at least one less cable that i don't have to have and there's like extra hardware on the periphery that i don't have to have but i also don't want to pay 1600 dollars for a monitor and then like (laughs) feel like every time i see the output i'm just like what what i'm a fool right so I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm Especially hoping for $1,600.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this fall like, that'll get corrected. And if so, because uh, I, again, like I, I'm really trying to stick, uh, given the office space that I have, if I can, I want to stick to one monitor when I'm in desktop mode, uh, just because otherwise I don't, it. it, it Having two 23 inch monitors like would basically mean like I can't see outside,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which, which is not good. Which you need to be able to see me. the sun.
1: Yeah. So uh, if I can do that, like, yeah, they go to a 27 inch monitor from a 23. That That's totally passable. Like There won't be a problem. Uh, I just I'm, I don't know. I really don't want to like have to clip on my my iPhone every time uh to the top of the thing or like any other I other tried stuff. that a few
0: times and it doesn't work out well like it's it's top heavy it falls off it goes in the wrong like it it just never or it's it crooked it doesn't work or it obscures part of your screen it's not Did working. you
1: get one of those uh little hanger on things what would you like a mount
0: I, um, I didn't, um, be, I, I was experimenting to see like, would it be worth getting one of those things? And that would probably help a little bit, but I had, I, I tried various things and it, it never, it never worked well enough. Plus it's my, uh, for me, like, um, I, I, I tend to use my phone a lot as well. And that like having my phone up there as my camera meant I couldn't use my phone, Um, or I moved the camera. So it's like, um, for me, like, like having a a specific device was just a little bit better (laughs) for me, for my, the way I work.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, honestly, I, I just think like my phone is rarely guaranteed to be charged to the fullest. Even I I don't (laughs) know what it is. Like I I work from home, you know, like just like you do. Why is my phone not always charged? Like, what if, what's wrong with me? Like, I could just like plug it in all of the time and it would always be a hundred percent, but I don't right, do that. Right, but I don't do that. And then, uh, so having it run wirelessly, honestly, I don't, I'm not sure how often that would be an option for me. And then, like, yeah. so great, now I'm like draping a white iPhone cable up mm-hmm. the top of my monitor. Um, so, anyways, like that that doesn't feel like the answer to me either. Um, it's an interesting, uh, ha- I'd call it an interesting hack, personally. Yes. Uh, but no more than that. And it's yeah. not really how I want to do my day to day.
0: Yeah. Uh, yes. I totally agree. And I'm um, normally, I am certainly, I am a fan of having like it be integrated because like all, like having the cables run through my monitor, having like uh, my drives being able to be plugged in there, the power delivery is through the monitor. It's so nice whenever I have to switch from work to personal or it just, everything just works. Um, so having like a separate device is, it is a little bit fun, but I can run it through the monitor too. So at least the inputs follow. Um, the other reason that I got this as a separate device was because of my two desk situations. So like I have the desk that I'm at now where I do my pot or the podcast from is um, configured for my music. So you can't see it on the cam, but I have a keyboard, a piano in front of me um, with keys and uh, a mixer and other things. So like, um, there's, the thought has crossed my mind. Well, if I want to be able to do any streams where I'm recording that kind of material, having a device that I could move, cause it was not cheap. If you look at the prices, I got it a little bit on sale, but still the prices are painful, um, <laughs> for what, it, for what it is. Um, I think right now it's two 99 on the website for a webcam. Um, And I know there was a time during the the um the hype of covid where like webcams went crazy expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not there at this point. So like two ninety nine is not not something to sneeze at. Um, But be- the idea of it being movable appealed to me because then I could transplant it without buying two cameras. I could move it to this location, set it up on the windowsill and it has a little weight on it. And so it's it's nice and stable. It's not going anywhere. And then I could transplant it back to any of my other uh, to my desk. Or if I wanted to take a, a meeting out on the deck, for example, I, it could follow me around. Um, so this one is a little bit less device specific. It can follow me to to the where I need it. Um, so that's the other reason why I got it this way.
1: OK, makes sense. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like I said, it looks really good So uh, you know. There and it seems like it has a lot of flexibility. So uh, you know, I I, I kind of want to hear about this again at some point because I, I like I said, I can imagine a scenario where somebody else in my house is using that camera, mm-hmm. and not my and not myself. Uh, but yep. um, that's really awesome. Yeah. So I think the the next sort of area of desk uh, setup that we were thinking about going into because we just kind of covered a little bit of like our webcams uh, and uh, uh, to a certain extent monitors as well. Uh, The next thing we're going to talk about is sort of like Elgato products. Elgato product? I don't know how to say it. Elgato? So if you don't mind. I
0: can't hear without hearing the word cat because Spanish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Is that not what it's supposed to be? I don't understand what it's supposed to be, if not that. Like, <laughs> it's got to that... be,
0: right? Um, yeah, but I don't know for sure if it is or not. <laughs> but that's all I can hear.
1: So uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to uh, flip the order of events yes. in, in our show notes and just like go over the Elgato product on my screen, on my desk first, simply because I've got nothing to say about it other than it works as, as intended. It's uh, <laughs> and, and that's that's the highest praise I could give it. It's the, Exactly. It, it's the Wave XLR what does it do? Well, I have a microphone that maybe I'll talk about another time when I can pull up <laughs> what it is. I don't remember. Uh, but this microphone that I use, uh, it is an XLR microphone, which means that it's like a normal, call it like a stage mic. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you plug that into like an amp or like whatever kind of EVs set up and like, you know, uh, you s- sing into it or whatever else. Uh, But it's like one of those kind of like round things. In other words, like you can get USB mics. This is not one of those. This is a traditional mic. So great. Uh, Well, guess what? Uh, I don't know if you've looked on your laptop recently, but you don't have an XLR (laughs) input on it. Uh, No. (laughs) Because if you did, it would be a giant sort of thing protruding from the side. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, I almost wondered I bet there has to have been some hardware at some point because I know my first laptop was definitely thick, more than thick enough to support oh, yes. XLR. Oh yes. Uh, it did not, but uh it was definitely, <laughs> it definitely it had had room. The thickness. <laughs> yeah. So uh instead, like you, you gotta figure out like where are you gonna plug this thing into? So you need an audio interface. Uh Wave XLR is the one I got. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily the, the, the I the cheapest per se. I don't I don't remember much about the circumstances under which I decided to go with this. But what I really liked is the sort of footprint on the desk is very minimal. It's just a one knob that uh, influences. I I think you can actually change what it influences. But the only thing I have it for set for is the gain, Mm -hmm. which is essentially like how much output's coming from my mic uh, and and into the software. So I I plug the XLR cable from my mic into this thing, and then it runs from USB-C into my monitor uh or my display and I I have I have it going from USB C to USB A simply because like this Dell thing monitor <laughs> that I have like
0: probably takes USB A.
1: <laughs> well, I mean it, it has USB C but it's uh, the the USB C's that it has a few. I don't remember how many are back there but yes. uh I need them both for other things and mm-hmm. so uh this Audio interface will run fine over USB A speeds apparently. So, um, anyways, I, I plug it in through that, and that's really it. Uh, there's some desktop software to set it up called. Uh, oh man, now I'm forgetting what it was called. What's it called? WaveLink is Wavelink, what it's called. Yes. And uh, you know, there again, like like hey this sounds pretty uninformed for a device that you're saying is good but like that's the whole point of this like mm-hmm. what you don't want in an audio interface is something that you need to fidget with every time you turn it on and i would say no. this too uh in the context of the end of our our last discussion is um you know we talked a little bit about kvm switches or mm-hmm. kmv switches or whatever they are like the ones where you can switch uh multiple devices between one monitor uh this thing's working totally cool with that so nice. you know, like yeah because it's connected to the monitor so it just inherits the gotcha. compute of wherever it's coming from so again like having the monitor as a hub feels like right now anyways like the ultimate flex on my desk yes. in terms of like minimizing cable footprint and all yep. of that uh and the interesting part is since like software drives a lot of like the hardware how the hardware configuration on on the wave xlr if I had uh, different gain inputs, which sometimes I do for different devices, mm-hmm. once you switch over, the gain is remembered because that's coming from the software. It's not right. being dictated by the hardware.
0: Yeah, which is kind of which makes it really powerful because then whatever, however, you would need to have it set up for like for work versus personal or or whatever kind of task you're at. It's it that's on that machine. And then the monitor gives you that easy way of switching back and forth between all of them. I know, like in the past, when I looked at or had a KVM or, or even just sometimes a dock, um, like a USB C dock, like not everything would work smoothly. So, like, I'm always kind of like a little bit, um, what's the word, um, questionable as to whether or not it, it will actually work or not. So, it's like holding my breath for a moment to see, it. okay, does it get recognized?
1: I was pretty. Worried about that being the case the KVM that I got, um, that switch. Uh, and so far, so good. It seems to be totally fine. And that's I good. Mean, basically, that that's all I've got to say about this whole thing. I mean, like mm-hmm. the, the software seems to come with like a bunch of like filters and things you can put on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're singing into it. Maybe that's I mean, I can say that even like my, my music hat on like that stuff, I would have wanted to control like when I was doing that kind of thing in Ableton Live or yeah, whatever you're going to do that was. in your DAW. Yeah, but. I don't know. That's in the software anyway. So you could do it if you wanted to. For me, I don't know. You take it for what it's worth. Uh, I will say that if my audio sounds suboptimal, sometimes it could just be the room. Uh, But between the mic and the audio interface, like the setup, I'm quite happy with. So uh, I don't know if all you're looking is to plug a traditional XLR mic into your computer, I would say go with this.
0: Yeah. And I mean, compared to my setup, um, that I'm streaming or podcasting from, um, like this, this might be one of my next purchases because it w- would help simplify some things. Cause right now I'm running into, uh, the mic into a, a mixer that is connected via USB. Um, it's only USB two, um, which you, that's all you need for audio anyway. But, um, so it's using, I had to get to some dongles and stuff to make sure to connect it because it's not, it doesn't have a USB C cable. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, um, it works, but, um, it, it's just, there's a lot of extra fiddliness and, um, stuff that you have to set up. Whereas what I lo- kind of like about the, the Wavelink, um, and you can use Wavelink even without WaveX, uh, the XLR mic, um, because I've installed it locally on my machine um, separately. Um, but that gives you some control over software inputs and things like that. So this one might be one of my next purchases. Plus I really like a big, just the knob is calling to my, <laughs> calling to my brain.
1: Yeah. And it looks, it looks nice on the desk. Uh, by the way, there's like a little, uh, uh, what, what's the word? Like a conductive sensor on the back where you just tap it. It's Ooh, really that's a, cool. a button, but that's just like a, I don't know if it's configurable, but what it does is mute and unmute.
0: Ah, nice! And
1: I love that feature because, like, if that's you're about, right. If you're about to sneeze into your microphone, like being able to just like reach back and slap that thing real quick and then sneeze is way better than like, oh god, which tab is my audio input, and in? I'm gonna <laughs> like try to jump off and run to the next room or whatever. So having a you know there's a benefit to like having a, a hardware button there that lets you do that
0: and capacitive is smart because the uh heaven help me the number of mics i've used in the past where it's a clicky button and it's like the last thing that i want to mute myself is a clicky button that yep may still make it into the final audio
1: <laughs> yeah it's a good point i mean so and, and that's one of the things where it's like yeah this is <laughs> some good thought was put into the making of this device yes and honestly like i had heard of the uh the, the next thing we're going to talk about made by the same company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I didn't think I was quite where I was going to have time to get the value out of it for myself on this next piece of hardware we'll talk about. But I thought, well, I'll try this other one, which does the one thing I need for now. And it's made me have a fairly high regard for the company. Yeah. I mean, like it's uh again, like I don't have to interact with this thing much. So that's that also means like I'm not interacting with this company's products too much other than having this piece of hardware sitting on my desk and occasionally modifying the gain or muting and unmuting it. But given that that's exactly what I want this thing to be and it's been that like Mm -hmm. there there just have been no surprises, no difficulties or anything. So um, it makes me super curious to hear what you're going to say about the next piece of hardware.
0: Yeah. So same kind of deal. Um, I, I've been really impressed by what I've seen from El, Elgato thus far um, started initially. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my mom has a YouTube channel and um, trying to get everything set, her camera set up properly. We got some of their hardware mounts. They have a whole system that you can use to do mounting of like DSLRs and, uh, and other things. And like the quality on that was, was really good. Like it's it's not, <laughs> it, it's well engineered. It's not going to fail quickly. It's not super, du- it's not cheap, but it's, it's well made. So like that was my first of, oh, God has got some interesting stuff. It does what it says on the tin. Um, and it's, it's nice. And then, um, I started, um, browsing the rest of their site and going, oh, there's this thing called Stream Deck. And I'll apologize in advance if I call it the Steam Deck because I can't seem to, get get the two words separated out of my brain but um i finally gave in and bought one for my mom for her youtube channel um using it with obs and the reason there was um like you could control everything through the macbook or a mouse click which was fine but one keyboard noise and mouse clicks are going to translate into audio on, on any recording and two like The shortcuts depended upon which which software I had it loaded at the, you know, which screen I'm on or what have you. Or, you know, it also depended sometimes on you being able to see the screen. And when you're recording, especially face down or down onto the desk, your laptop's a ways away. So small text, small icons, blah, 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 blah. So I got her a stream deck for Christmas. And, uh, I think it was for Christmas and we set it up so that she could control all her scenes with the press of a button on OBS. So she can switch between her face down and her facing cameras. She can control, uh, whether or not the project is visible and all of this while she's recording. So you don't have to go back and edit it later. And I was so impressed with this little piece of, um, software. I mean, yes, you could do everything that you do there with the keyboard, but it's like, it it is narrowly focused on making the easy to initiate actions and it's really configurable. Um, So it works really well with OBS, but it works with other streaming solutions, but it's not just for media. It can control your system. It can control um, other devices that are connected like Wavelink could communicate with Steam link. And so you could have additional knobs on here to not just control your gain, but maybe, you know, control other aspects of it, especially if you had um, other channels that you wanted to monitor. Uh, So I finally said, well, this, this sounds interesting. I feel like I could use this for work too. And so I went ahead and and grabbed this. And the one that I grabbed is not the steam deck stream deck, normal one where it's just a list of buttons. Um, So you can get um, stream decks with anywhere from like six to 30 or something like that buttons on the face. Um, I've got the stream deck plus, and this is eight buttons on the face. Um, Then there's four touch sensitive buttons. And then there's four dials right below those touch sensitive buttons. And um, I got the dials primarily because I was thinking, well, for music, I could use this to talk to logic. I haven't done that yet. So that that profile, I haven't got set up yet. But my idea is like, well, then I could use that to control some of the gain on those, those channels or what have you. And I could easily control logic as I'm, you know, doing recordings or whatever, versus having to go to my mouse and click the, the right button inside of logic. But it's also worked well for work. So there's a teams plugin. And there's other ones out there too, for other conferencing software. And so now I can uh, mute and unmute my teams, uh, turn off uh, turn my camera on and off um at the press of a button on my steam deck without having to worry about like which app am i in and you know the keyboard shortcut and make trying to find the right spot but teams also has um reactions so like you can press a button button and have like an applause icon on the screen and so i set it up with all of those too so it's like a one click click into there to say okay i'm going to give the applause button or the like button um, and part of the reason I did that was because teams has um, a little bit of poor UX where like the raise hand is right next to the applause button. Um, so the number of times that we get those mixed up is crazy. And Google
1: me does this as well, right? by the way. Yeah, it's so we, annoying. <laughs> it Why? It happens all the time. Everyone's uh, Yeah, I always feel bad for folks when they do that. It's horrible. And, like, Sorry.
0: and um, happened to me more than enough times. And now I don't have to worry about it. Like it's like there's no they're not next to each other on my stream deck. Um, in fact, I, I don't even think I have the raised hand on my stream deck. Um, so I, that's been fun, but it also ties into this Insta360. So, um, and this is where I wish it was a little bit more programmable. The webcam, not stream deck, um, is that I've got controls on my stream deck to move my camera around. So, um, you can set up global shortcuts for the Insta360 to move the, the camera up, down, left, right, zoom in, zoom out, turn on tracking, all of that stuff. And you can set up keyboard shortcuts on the stream deck. And so and assign them to the knobs. They don't have to be assigned to the buttons. They can be assigned to the knobs. So I have one button to control horizontal, one button to control vertical and another to control zoom. And so it That's makes it amazing. really easy to dial it in, especially if I shift in my chair and I need to reposition things. Um, I can do that really easily from there.
1: This is this is the, the so that is it, right? Like, honestly, this is a level to which I don't want software trying to accommodate me. Uh, let me move the camera, uh, and let me, uh, -hmm. sort of like decide when the inputs or in outputs are like going one place or another or, or, or or are on or off. Um, that's really cool that you can kind of connect that. Mm -hmm. Um, have you found at all, it sounds like this is relatively new, but I'm curious, like what the update cycles between all the software will be. Cause I guess there's like there's the software that runs the Stream Deck. There's the software that runs your camera. There's macOS. Mm-hmm. There might be who knows something in the middle that ties all this stuff together. Um, and I wonder if there's, you know, how much potential yeah. there is for that all of that to get out of whack.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it's an interesting point, and I don't know. Um, I will say that the Stream Deck, when it came, when I unpacked it, I, I plugged it in, and it already had a firmware update waiting. Um, but how long that had been, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't got one since, um, and I haven't gotten an update since on the webcam. I imagine there could be some of those challenges, um, but, um, it'll be something to keep an eye out on. I will say that like for my mom, who's had the stream deck for longer, like, um, it hasn't had, um, like it hasn't changed its functionality. It hasn't broken, uh, in terms of its functionality. Um, so, so far so good but even that's like less than a year in terms of um, having a data point for that. Um, So it will be interesting. What's what does seem to be nice is it is for better or for worse, right. To your point of it's all software controlled. So the profiles for my stream deck are on my computers. So I can take my stream deck and move it around too. And it will just, you know, reflect whatever profile is on my machine. Um, So that's, both a plus and a minus, because I might have, like, I, in some cases, I'm going to have shared profiles that now I have to manage separately. But on the flip side, it is also movable. And it's not like, it's, it is solely dependent upon what the software is saying. Um, but it also, that gives it that flexibility. So it'll be interesting to see what it does long t- long term.
1: I wonder if you can drop those config files into, say, like a Dropbox Probably. or a Probably. <laughs>
0: I bet you, you can. Um, I need to look at that and see what it would look like. Um, But um, because they've thought about a lot of things, like it's not just what Elgato says you want to have in your stream deck. They have a whole plugin marketplace um, or community maybe is a better term because they're all free. Um, So there's, it's got extensibility built in. Um, It's got an SDK. If you wanted to build your own and the thought has crossed my mind for a couple things. Um, so, and they've got a whole set of like um, custom icon libraries for, for these buttons. Um, and there are config files scattered out around. So it might be possible to synchronize. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. The other thing. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh no, that's really cool. I, I was just thinking through as I've had a few Macs to set up um, recently, uh, including a couple of MacBook Air sitting in my bedroom that I'm taking to Berlin for a developer conference uh, that have been, <laughs> sent to me by the company to get set up Uh, just kind of thinking through as well like um, the ability to have some of your configs in all places is super super nice Uh, I had set up a thing where I can have like my dot files in a repo and pull those down from wherever Uh, but you know you can I don't know if you've tried this in VS code total tangent but like just recommendation for anybody that hasn't done this yet if you're storing your VS code uh, config uh, within GitHub or syncing it through GitHub, the cool thing is you can just, when you get on a new Mac or in a, in a new environment, log in to GitHub through VS code and suddenly VS code is the same VS code that you have on.
0: Oh, that's machine. sweet.
1: It's <laughs> great. It brings all those extensions over. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I can imagine scenarios where you might not want that, uh, but you know, especially for like maybe enterprise developers, where mm-hmm. like maybe your bespoke setup in VS Code at work, it's got to be by its very nature quite different yes. and potentially proprietary. Uh, but for my use case, it's absolutely beautiful, uh, yes. and it basically saves me on a, a you know. When you get a new Mac, you're like, OK, I got to get all my dot files in, set up my shell the way I want it to <laughs> yes. and all of those kind of things. And then I'd have to turn it around normally and do the exact same process for the integrated uh, terminal in VS Code. Mm-hmm. These days, if you uh, have that sync enabled through VS Code, uh, you're going to find that you get a perfectly smooth ride. Um, nice. That part of it basically just comes for free. As opposed to you having to, you still got to do all your Mac stuff, of course, like set up the native terminal and all those things, get your dot files in order. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, but with VS Code, it always felt like, geez, now I going to do this again, um, and now I don't. So, <laughs> anyways, just like a nice little thing. And you know, if if uh, other types of configs like the Elgato Stream Deck uh, configs could potentially come along for the ride. That might be nice again there's probably situations where you don't want that to happen but uh you know if there was an option to say point the stream deck software to icloud or dropbox or yeah whatever else you might use that might be good
0: yeah i need to look into it some more it does look um i did dig into their preferences it looks like there's at least an import and export so you have um if maybe that's not as slick as like keeping it up to date in real time like that would be super cool um, it doesn't look at least like it gives you the option to manage that manually, which is nice. Um, so, um, I, now I don't know how that Im- impacts with plugins. Cause like you can have plugins that are in your profiles. How do you keep that in the, the, in the similarity or not? So there's still a lot that I need to learn on that. Um, but already finding that it's, it's super nice. Um, been super valuable just for, Day to day work, let alone what I want to do for uh, multimedia recording, um, which I haven't actually had a chance to use it for yet. Um, but it, just just even the little niceties of being able to have a visual indicator of the state of certain functions, like in Teams, I can know off. I can just look at my Stream Deck and say, "Oh, the can- the, the mic is on mute because the icon changes when you click the button." Um, all of those little nice touches that Elgato really thought through when they productized it. Um, is is pretty slick. Um So there's there's all sorts of just basic functionality. There's the plugins, and then if you really want to take it further, and I'm one of these days we, we maybe we'll talk about it if I ever actually do the work here. But there's an SDK. So if you want to make this thing entirely your own, there is a whole way to do that, including like evidently there are some like games and things that you can like. I don't know how you would do a game on a stream deck, but I'm kind of itching to find out. Um, but there's, you know, if you have custom workflows, you can, uh, really go, go further with it if it's not already in the plugin marketplace. So, um, it's a, it's a slick little thing and, and it's probably, I don't know, maybe what, maybe about twice the size roughly of, of I'm guessing when I look at the wavelength the wave XLR online, um, at least maybe twice as high. So it's, it takes up a little bit of space on your desk, but, um, it's always giving you useful information. So I don't begrudge it that space.
1: I'm having a look at the uh, Stream Deck plugin template on GitHub. And yeah, it's HTML and JavaScript, just kind of poking through here. It looks like <laughs> at the top level, you basically just have some um, sort of front matter, if you will your package.json, your readme, your license, your gitignore, nothing functional. Um, and then within a source, fi- uh, source directory, you have things like. Uh, app.js which i'm guessing is the entry point there look like there are some json files that are localization files for german and english uh and then some html which i guess dictates the ui somewhere where where does that i'm curious do you have any idea is that ui for the button on the stream deck or is that on your computer somewhere so
0: i'm actually not sure because there is um a there are some like dynamic features to the icons. So whether or not that's coming from the HTML or if there's an, uh, an API that you call to switch those, I'm not entirely sure. But when I go into a lot of the HTML, there's really typically not anything in the HTML files that is UI. <laughs> it's, it, all it's all JavaScript. It's all JavaScript. So my gut says there's just a hidden web view sitting that's running the JavaScript side. And this was the easiest way to, to, to run that. Um, but I don't know for sure. But um if you look through the JavaScript, it looks like there's a lot of like WebSocket work. So like, I think functionally how this works from an extension perspective is you connect a socket and you send everything over that. And for JavaScript, it just turns out it's easy enough to do that in a web view. Um, Cause there are some of the add-ons. Like if you look at the CPU sample that's in their repository, I think the CPU one is a C++ extension. Um, probably doing along the same lines of connecting over a socket. So you can use all sorts of languages with that. I even found online a Swift one. So when, since I am learning Swift, maybe I'll try it building with Swift, um, which would only work on Mac OS. And of course, this is cross-platform. But for my own purposes, I only care about Mac OS.
1: Yeah, and I'm seeing here that there's like an external .js. Again, I'm still in the plugin template, which you know, obviously is meant to be bare bones but there's like a window dot on uh, function that gets called when, when the window loads again, mm-hmm. where's that window? I don't know. Uh, but either way <laughs> it does a query selector and it's looking for a, a, a send um, a, a, an element that has a send ID puts a event listener on that. Geez, Whenever you, sorry, sidebar, but whenever you click on code in GitHub these days, things happen and I'm still not <laughs> used to that. I like this little pop-up came over and it, it's like a little symbols helper or something right um, i don't <laughs> know that i'm finding that more distracting than i'm helpful but again like I, maybe i just need to take in uh i don't know get GitHub moves faster than you think it will in certain areas sometimes and like uh i'm not yeah. quite keeping pace but either way so uh you they're putting they're, they're basically querying the dom finding something with an id probably a button that says send and then they put a click handler on it with that event listener and then that seems to do what window opener dot send to inspector with a string argument of message from external window. Yes, and so That's... the
0: inspector is another bit of UI. So when the the inspector is when you are configuring um, your uh, the stream deck, there's properties that you can list. So you can also expose the the configuration of your add on to uh, of your add on of your whatever this is plugin. Um, and that's web UI too. So there's web UI across the board.
1: <laughs> that's wild. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting slight UXP vibes. I feel like that comes up a lot when we're talking about it because I actually I think I remember um, when we were still working together on UXP mm-hmm. th- uh, that um, there we had some kind of sample like this. That, like as I was reading this, it says "message from external window." What does that mean? And then I'm like, oh no, this is a developer demo, and it's trying to show you where these things are going to show up. Um, It's not, you know, obviously you wouldn't do this for user land, but for developers, it's actually pretty helpful to see like, oh, if I do something here, this is where the output's going to show up. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And it's really, it's really, it looks really, um, uh, really robust and complete. Um, I I mean, you could go to the nth degree and make it super configurable. You could also make it super, um, you know, if it's just for you and you're not going to share it you know you can you can also make it super um just uh restricted to what you're doing but i thought it fascinating because i wasn't sure when i bought it actually whether or not it had a full on i knew it had plugins but i didn't know how you built for it and then, then when i looked at looked it up it's like oh you can do this with javascript and this is how they do it with javascript that's interesting um and several of the uh, plugins that i have are doing that now i don't know what that means for performance um like web views take memory <laughs> So, um, I'm curious, like I haven't dug into all of that stuff. It hasn't been a problem yet. I will say that much. Like I've never had a problem with it, like eating all my memory yet, but, um, it is potentially worth thinking about in terms of, you know, what technology you choose to build a plugin um, uh, whether or not you're using a lot of memory to do that. Yeah, I'm but,
1: guessing, you know, especially for modern machines, like it, it feels like less and less of a problem. <laughs> and you have that 32 gig said, or more, right? <laughs> yeah, you're also putting trust in the developer that they're cleaning up after themselves yeah. and that, or, and or the OS is proactively doing that. Yeah. But I see like, uh, we'll have to put the Elgato uh, GitHub organization into the show notes because like there's just so much cool stuff on here. There's like a Stream Deck Apple Mail thing. Which is like doesn't pro, I don't know why I'm as excited about this as I am. This may be like an I occupational hazard of working <laughs> at a company that has does a lot of stuff with email APIs, but it's really neat. Like uh and all of that code for the most part is written in Objective C, with some of it being written in um plain old C. Uh. Yes. So I don't I don't know if that's a requirement for that particular application, but it, it's pretty cool. And it says um what does this do? It's a plugin that displays the number of unread emails in Apple Mail. Uh, pressing on the key will launch Apple Mail. And again, you know, I, I would trust that anybody who is with us for this much of the ride in this podcast understands <laughs> that, like, this kind of plugin that, that's not really meant for user space. We all know that, right? So you'd say, like, oh, big deal, right? I can see like how many bajillion unread emails I have, and then launch an application. But that's just giving you an idea of like how to hook into something, right? right. How to connect two things together and make them do a thing Mm -hmm. and so like it's a it's pure developer uh, developer demo but i don't know like just from that alone like i can already start to imagine things that i would want to do um whether it's with the you know apple mail application or quite honestly like with stuff from work with our Mm -hmm. email apis and kind of playing around with that
0: well i mean even the i mean it, it can it can span the gamut like it's um, if, if there wasn't something for teams, like you could use or your video uh, software, you could easily imagine having ways to control that. Um, the, the, um, the way I control my installing, for example, right now is over global s- shortcuts. Well, I'm curious if there, is there a lower level system way to do that? Well, that might be a reason I might build a, net, a plugin to control that. Um, but there's, um, I also have set up uh, on my desk machine when teams is not running, I have a little CPU percentage sitting over there that gives me a sense of how heavy my system is running. Sitting next to that is, um, a stocks, a stock display. So just showing what, what the current price of my stock is.
1: Oh, Um, I thought you were talking about like a, like Adobe stock. stock
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, well of, of Adobe in the stock market. Um, so it's just sitting there right in the display. I don't have to go anywhere and else find it. Um, but then I've got other things in there, um, that are, you know, just, um, Uh, apps that I frequently use and I have one click access to it um, which is really nice and it's just still early days but it is super configurable to be you know and it's and it's easy to do it in a way that it works with you you're not always having to force yourself to work with how it works you're in total control over this display uh, uh, of all the buttons and all the all the knobs that it has so I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're teach- treating it as kind of like a uh, men- Mac OS menu bar that you can like literally yes. touch with
0: your finger. Yes.
1: See, so, yeah, I'm a I'm a ride or die iStat menus person since like 2008. Like you know, uh card carrying iStat mem- iStat menus person. And uh, so for me, like those like system uh, monitor kind of things, like how much RAM am I using, for example, or how much CPU. Um, you know that at some point that would be kind of fun to get into. I don't know, like, have you ever had any of those like system status things in your menu bar, be it iStat menus or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I have iStat menus in both of mine right uh, at the moment, um, okay. so it's always sitting up there. I I don't go. I probably don't use it to its to its uh, to everything it's capable of, but. Um, it's always sitting up there, because especially because like there's not plugins for everything on the stream deck, like to like GPU or memory usage. I could probably write those, but um, it's uh, there's having things in my menu bar where my I, line of sight is is also useful. So, um, yeah, I Someday. stats all the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was going <laughs> to I can't believe it came to this, but like that came up. I was going to mention earlier when it ta- when we're talking about configuration files and syncing them, mm-hmm. one of the ones that. You mentioned earlier about like, oh, there's an export and I can send them back and forth. iStat menus is one of those things where I don't know. There may be a way to point it at some like a different directory that sits in the cloud. If there is, I'm not aware of it. But uh, what I end up having to do when I'm setting up a new Mac every time is like go to the most recently used Mac (laughs) and export that file, whatever it is from that and uh, from iStat menus. The cool thing is when you do that, and I'll just like airdrop it over, you double click that and boom, istat menus is like the thing you nice. used to. So uh maybe at some po- <laughs> maybe at some point we should like compare uh istat menu yes. setup. Uh I have like I have for me like one that pretty much date backs dates back relatively unchanged to the odds. Uh, with a few minor things here and there, but like a Mac that doesn't have iStat menus on it to me is like not, it's not like, done it, yet. Yeah, it's not done yet. Like yeah. I feel like I'm flying blind. Like mm-hmm. I need to know what's eating up my CPU. Uh, oh, yes. Google Chrome. Um,
0: and... Or <laughs> occasionally Safari. Um, yeah. Uh, yes.
1: That's true. Uh, occasionally Safari, although I find Safari to be incredibly aggressive about killing tabs, even if I don't want it to. So <laughs> opposite ends is of the true. spectrum yes. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah if i don't have iStats menu i don't feel like i've got my my environment set up correctly and mine is usually fairly tight because memory uh, or icons up in the menu bar are fairly on short supply so i combine or use the condensed view but um it is very nice to to give me a quick explanation as to why my fans are suddenly deciding to take off like a rocket
1: all right. You know what? We're doing this because uh, let's just let's call an audible here, Carrie. <laughs> There's no way we get into the second uh, we, topic. We uh, were ambitious. <laughs> no, it wasn't ever going to happen. And that, that that's OK. Like, look, I mean, like at some point someone may be listening to this and they're like, I could have watched Oppenheimer or listened to this episode where they tried to cover not one, but two, two topics. topics. And so uh, instead, like, I think here's what we're going to do as we close out. Yes. And I hope you can bear with me on this. But we're, we're doing it. We're going <laughs> to. We're taking the gloves off and we're going to compare how we have iStat menus (laughs) set up because we've already talked about it too much. We may as well just go ahead and kill this. Yes. Um, Would you like to go first and like walk me through like what it is you have uh, in your menu bar with uh, iStat menus?
0: Sure. Um, So number one, um, I I use the combined view because like I said, there's. I usually don't have a lot of room up in the top because I have lots of other icons going on. So in my combined view, um, I have the CPU sitting up there um, right next to the GPU. Um, And usually I'm not paying too much attention to the GPU, but I have it there because it's a little bit fun to see, like especially if you're using anything that's um, AI, like uh, Diffusion B or that was, uh, there was just a, um, a release of, shoot, what's the name of it? That makes it really easy to install Llama and other LLMs on your MacBook. So I grabbed that and it was kind of fun watching it spike the GPU for a couple seconds. And then the CPU would spike and um, just knowing that it was actually doing things because it just sits there while it thinks. Um, so I have CPU, GPU, um, a, and those are graphs. So I can see the history. Um, then I have memory. Um, which as I'm looking at that right now, it's like my memory is literally to the top of my, of my, MacBook. <laughs> so this is on a 16 gigabyte MacBook pro. That's an Intel machine. My other personal machine is 32 gig. So it's usually not this, this tight, but it is using all my memory right now. Um, and then I have, um, a solid state drive, uh, the SSD, um, icon next to that one. Um, to give me a sense of performance there and the temperature sensor. Um, and I don't remember which temperature sensor I'm using. Um, cause that one is configurable too. Uh, I think I'm using, um, CPU core number one. Um, just to give me a sense of, um, how hot my machine, especially on the Intel machines when, when you are a little bit more worried (laughs) about thermals. um, But I I enjoy having it on my MacBook ones, too, because it's always so nice and low and and um, which is hilarious. And then the other one that I'll usually have and this one isn't um, isn't for my stats. And maybe there's a way to get it on there. If So I need to figure it out. Uh, Maybe there is now. Oh, shoot. I think there is. Um, But I have another app that serves the purpose of the fan, the fan speed. Um, so it also up there shows me whether or not my fans are running and at what RPM they're running on. Um so I can really know for sure if <laughs> if things are taking off like a rocket, um, that display goes absolutely bonkers.
1: That's that's interesting. I, I you know, now I'm off of Intel now, so this seems to be a, a, a consideration of the past for me, but having that 2019 uh MacBook Pro on Intel i9s that I had until very recently, uh, that's, that would have been really useful to yes. track. And again, like it's, it's not like, I mean, for folks that don't feel like they need to monitor their machine that much, like maybe like, why, why would you do this? Like, what, what are you gonna do with that knowledge? Well, to be honest, there are like little things that you can do with it. Right. And if you, yeah, cause like, it's not like iStat just tells you like your CPU is running. No, not at all. So uh, it'll tell you like which processes are doing what, and in some cases, like you'll see, oh right, this is uh, actually something that shouldn't be taking up as much resources as it is, and it turns out it's actually hung in the background and you can go kill it. But uh, without that information, you wouldn't even know like where on my machine is what happening. Um, you know, there there were a few macOS versions back where you would have like some of their uh, macOS demon processes that would get hung. And like, how are you going to know that, right? There's not no UI that's like beach balling you or anything. So you could go in and like do what you needed to to that. Uh, Thankfully these days, I, I I can't even remember the last time I've had to think about something like that, but there was a time where that felt like, um, almost a daily occurrence
0: well especially because partly you knew you you had um the one signal you had was your fans suddenly taking off and going yeah. to, to full throttle and it's like okay what is bogging my system down now i'll go look and so now like with the iStats is like it's really nice like i love the fact that you have that drop down and you can see your cpu and and all the performance going on there and give me a sense as to what's going on um and i don't have that on the m1 these days but occasionally every once in a while i have pushed it to where its fans will kick in and so it's nice like i I have the muscle memory to go rely on it's like okay what's going on because sometimes um either like safari for example for example is really great at killing things for memory seems to be less so for killing some things for that that should be that are using too much CPU and shouldn't be like, sometimes it's really weird. Some websites I have, it will kill in a heartbeat, say this is using too many resources. And then other websites, it will just let it use and use and use. And it will do it in the background. And it drives me up the wall. It's like, where? what's taking up 30% of my CPU? I'm not. It's not even visible. Why is it running? <laughs> so iStats all the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: The uh, other one that I forgot about is um, I do have the network. Um, I don't have the full-on network stats, but I have the little bit of transfer speed um, up and down, just in case something is pegging my network and I don't know it because I'm paranoid like that. <laughs> so that one is also sitting up there.
1: Oh, yeah. I'd consider that one to be like, um, if you're not looking at that, like, what are you doing kind of thing? So like, I'll I'll start like for me from left to right in my menu bar. Like, I don't have them collapsed like you were saying you do, uh, which, by the way, is a really awesome feature because basically if you collapse them, it gives you one menu item and you can click down and see a list of stuff that you care about. For me, uh, I just put them all at the top level. Um, yeah, the... Menu item icon overload is definitely a thing. But when I'm on my 4K external monitor, which for the Mac studio, I always will be on um, plenty of real estate. I'm not as worried about it. So uh, going left to right in terms of like uh, the ISTAT menu things that I have in my menu bar, there is the network. Again, um, it shows you traffic up and down graphically uh, in the menu bar, which is super handy. Because again, sometimes like if something's like, I don't know, I mean, like it can happen either direction, right? But for example, like if you're on calls and you're cutting out, like that means probably something's happening with your upload speed and it, it could be your network, but it might also be your machine that suddenly decided that it's going to. I don't know, like upload <laughs> your copy of Interstellar to the cloud. And it's like, why are we doing this while I'm trying to give a talk at a conference? Or on install
0: Zoom? Xcode.
1: <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. That's a download thing, but agreed. Yes. So um, yeah, the same same, same sort of thing applies. And so, uh, you know, if your machine's starting to like kind of get sluggish and it feels like a network thing, you can eyeball it really quickly. And like without even clicking anything, you see, oh, is this download? Um, bandwidth or upload bandwidth, and then you can click through and kind of figure out like, okay, what, what's happening and kind of deal with that. So uh, there's that, by the way, it looks like a, just in terms of upload uh, if I have my, yeah, I can't really tell, but if I have my uh, iPhone connected as a camera, it looks like that shows up as sidecar relay question interesting. so i i'm not sure but that might that might be at least in terms of the processes using bandwidth so um anyways i haven't i just happened to see that in the list and hadn't noticed that before so it could be it uh so yeah network traffic's one of the things i like to keep an eye on the other one is uh memory pressure uh like how much memory is being used of course like i have apparently impulse control problems when it comes to buying a mac so i have 128 (laughs) gigabytes of ram on Mac Studio, uh, let me let me tell you that like on this particular Mac, that graph doesn't see much of action, to be honest. I have it set up in the vertical. S- mm-hmm. So you imagine, right? Like it's just a vertical bar. Yes. Well, that's not much real estate to give you much indication. Well, if you have 16 gigabytes of RAM, that vertical bar sees a lot of up and down action in the little bit of real estate it gets. If you have 128, I mean, like going from 16 gigabytes are being used to 30, not really going to register in the UI as much. But if you click through again, you can see, all right, what's using most RAM, the most RAM, which processes. So I can see, for example, oh, Safari and Chrome and VS Code, Windows Server and Maps. Uh, I don't even have Maps open, so I don't know what Oh, apparently I do have Mapus open. Never mind. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, next up is, and the uh, second to last for me is the CPU and GPU, just like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, GPU used to not even be a thing. Uh, so that's like a relatively recent addition for me in recent years to my setup. But it'll show, uh, you know, again, if one of these things is getting slammed, uh, which processes are using the most. Um, I always love it when kernel underscore task makes it to the top and I'm like, no idea what to do about that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Although thankfully it's not misbehaving, but I've had Macs in the past where that would happen.
0: Uh, I love it when Windows Server decides that it's going to take all the time, CPU time for some reason.
1: Yeah. Um, And it's like you can go in and kill that and then like good luck getting anything done for a while. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You're you're back to what? Does that kick you all the way out to the login screen? Uh, I forget now, but. It's troubleshooting that, especially on on the older Macs. Again, on the M1, I don't have as as much of a problem with it. But sometimes trying to figure out what what thing is causing Windows Server to go absolutely berserk is, is not easy to figure out.
1: And speaking of processes that could potentially be related to connecting your phone as a camera, I have a process that is currently... It's not a problem like it's just like the it's the top number four in the list sorry in terms of resource usage on the cpu is something called continuity capture agent which i would yeah. have to assume has a, something to do like continuity is a lot of different features but yeah. my guess is if it's using 10 percent of my resources on the cpu that that must be the camera that's
0: got to be the transfer 10 yeah. percent. Yep. that's not insignificant
1: no not insignificant but again 10 percent on uh again uh,
0: uh what 60 core or how many core, i forget how many cores but a lot <laughs> <laughs> mm,
1: i plead the fifth uh it's a lot of cores, so <laughs> i got a lot of headroom here let's put it that way uh and the wavelength by the way barely even makes top five occasionally but it's at like five percent so uh, audio um obviously gonna be less taxing than the video would be uh last istat menu item um is i i always replace the uh date module the system date module like i'll turn that off and use the istat one because i can have it take up less of a footprint and also serve multiple purposes so if you do istat menus like the date module thing you can say like the way i have it set up is one it'll say the day in three letters so that's saving a little bit of space, um, like horizontal space in the menu bar. And then it'll have a little square around the date. So today, like it says Sunday, uh, sun 23, which is nice. I mean, mostly that's there. I configure it that way. And again, it's highly configurable, but the, the way I configure it is just to so take up as little space as possible, but never confuse me. Mm-hmm. So um just enough information and no more. Yeah. If you click on that, it'll integrate to your calendar, which, uh, is fine. Uh, you know, I, I never understand like a monthly view that says like, here <laughs> you have things to do on this day. It's like, yeah, I've always got like a hundred meetings on any given day. So like, wh- what are we to doing? Nothing at that yeah, point. <laughs> none of that. Like every day has like a bunch of items. I'm like, I don't know. This is for the person that doesn't use a calendar for much, I guess. Uh, But it does give you just below the month readout. Like I use the month calendar mostly just to see like what date is something happening on. And that's it. Like, or I guess what I mean by that is more like, okay, somebody asked me about the 26th and I'm like, is that a Wednesday or a Saturday? I don't know. I just click down and I can see real quick. So that's great. It also gives you your agenda for the next 24 hours, which is nice. And then after that, you can configure it to uh, show you the times and a bunch of time zones you care about. Which, which
0: is really is useful. Huge.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I Carrie, I know in your life today, that's like incredibly <laughs> useful because you're working <laughs> with people all over the world. Uh, certainly, I was like that when I worked at Adobe. Uh, and even to a certain extent now, the same. Like we, I have stakeholders in India. That's mm-hmm. a tough time zone because it's off by. Yep. Many hours and 30 minutes as well. <laughs> Which just um,
0: breaks my brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, but trying to sync with like our family back in Japan or like people we I work with in, in Europe, uh, being able to just like roll, like click one menu item and it shows you all of the time zones that you care about. Uh, you know, it doesn't solve every time zone scheduling problem you'll ever have, but it's pretty useful for a lot of things. Uh, just like just kind of get a gut check on like roughly what time are we talking about here? So uh, yeah, that's my uh, iStat story, iStat menu story, and I've been uh, sticking to it for basically 15 years, uh, with minor modifications here and there.
0: Yeah, it's I for it's just such a nice, well-made piece of software. It gives you for those of us who like to understand what's going on inside the machine, it's just so nice to have. Like I've experimented sometimes with other bits of stat software and. Some of them um, may have uh, more in-depth information or, or different navigation paradigms, but I've I've never been able to stick with them because um, either they have performance issues, uh, which is r- really saying something. If your stats, if your system monitor is causing performance issues, that's never a good sign. Um, and I've just never had any problem with iStats, and it, it just it, it lives on both my machines. I don't use every one of those modules. Like I think um, there's another. So called world clocks or there's another uh, app that i use for the time to replace the time um because it'll it ends up looking like the ios app for the the clocks when you bring it down which is kind of slick but um other than that like um understanding what's going on my on my machine is something pegging my disc or um, uploading without my permission i stats all the way Um, and it's so well made
1: yeah, the disk module is something I haven't used in a long time. I think there was a time when I was on spinning disks uh, on laptops where I would keep an eye on that just to just to see. I always mm-hmm. felt pretty protective when I was on spinning platters about that kind of thing because, like, you know, failure mode is you lose all your data, <laughs> which is not the best. So, if something's like abusing the disk, you kind of hear it in most cases, anyways, or feel it certainly, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, like I just want to keep an eye. Yes, one of the things that they've added in the last number of years I wouldn't know when exactly uh is weather uh I don't know you're 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 more into the weather thing than than me but uh, but I don't know like this one I think you have to like subscribe in order to use it but I just feel like I personally don't get as much traffic uh mileage out of like knowing details about the weather that i don't really need that in my menu bar taking up space but i i can appreciate that people would find that useful and there are probably yeah. parts of the world where you need it
0: yeah and i've thought about it a few times but then like i always come back to I'll, i have the weather widget in the slide over on if you slide from the right um i'm always looking at my phone so it's sitting there too And nine times out of 10, when I'm looking at the weather, what I really want is to dig more into like the radar and things like that. So um, I do pay for a subscription to do that, um, but it's not with iStats. It's um, the name of that app. And it's an amazingly well-made app as well Is Radar Scope. And uh, they have a free tier if I remember right. But if you upgrade, you can get um, a whole lot more um, out of it. And so that's one that I like, there, there are, are only a few apps that I'm willing to subscribe to in the first place. Um, radar scope is one of those because the number of times, especially when I lived in the Midwest, but even here out on, um, the East coast, a few times where there's like been severe storms or tornado warnings or, or whatnot. And, um, this little area of Maryland doesn't get a lot of those, but it gets them enough, um, it's handy to know like exactly what does the storm look like? Because, um, just because there's a, uh, you know, you can kind of prepare or understand, is it going to slip by us or, or whatnot? So that one I, I pay for, um, it'd be kind of cool if it had a menu bar. I don't think it does. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm in that thing quite frequently, especially if it's looking a little bit twitchy outside.
1: <laughs> yeah. You just reminded me that, there's a uh, one of those like slide over widgets in that right hand column that you can swipe over. Um, just to give you an idea of like how much I use that feature, I just realized like I, I, sw- I swipe over and there's like Apple News, which I would definitely never want in anything I'm regularly looking at. Um, there is an unconfigured bunch of time zones, including Sydney, Australia, and Paris, that are time zones I don't particularly need. Um, and most telling is uh, that the weather module is set to a campsite in Vermont that I tend to go to like once a year with my family. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it definitely picked that because it got some of my data from somewhere, but it's just like it picked the wrong one. By the it, wrong like, one. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you could pick any other number of cities and be like closer to the mark than that.
0: <laughs> That's uh, I, I'm <laughs> amazed that it's that one. Like I, I, I half expected it to be Cupertino.
1: Yeah, I mean if it if it were the Bay Area like that would make a little more sense. Cupertino that would be the obvious default. Uh if it was San Francisco I'd give it points for maybe being like, oh yeah, you just want to know about when you're traveling to the Bay Area. Uh but no, it's like that one time of year that you're probably camping in Vermont for 3 days. Mm-hmm. Uh we're going to I guess that's when
0: you look at the weather app the most. Mm.
1: Well, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, And hey, uh, for anybody that cares on uh, July 23rd at uh, 930 p.m. at night, it is 67 degrees in Vermont, uh, which is way cooler (sighs) than it is in New York.
0: (laughs) Ah, 67 degrees sounds nice. It's been way too warm. (laughs)
1: Uh, It has been. It was a
0: little bit nicer this weekend with the slight break, but um, it's getting back up to 94. I saw next week for a maryland so was like yeah
1: bah. i always just remember you know that i have family in texas that uh you know they've been enduring you know oh, 107 110 degree weather horrible. days and days and days in a row all right well um hey look you know what we like babe ruth uh which I don't know that much about to be honest, but I'm fairly certain that he at some point pointed <laughs> to the stadium and out in the bleachers and said, "I'm going to hit a home run there." And then he did that. You you know what? We tried to call our shot in that way, and we didn't quite get there. We said we were going to do two topics, and well, we sort of did two topics, but they weren't the two that we listed. Um, <laughs> instead, I you know we covered hmm. we covered a lot about um, stuff in the beginning related to just like programming or whatever and that was kind of it we talked a little bit about movies and then we got into the meat of it you know do some desktop setup or not desktop but desk setup and then a surprising sort of veer to the (laughs) left into (laughs) just driving through the forest what they talk about next full (laughs) spot full speed doing istat menus of all things um I don't know. I mean, it's really nice to like be able to go through some of these topics and, uh, you know, kind of give a little peek under the hood in terms of like how you have things set up. And Same for me, too. Uh, but maybe next time we'll do a little more programming because I don't know about you, but I'd rather be scripting.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of I'd Rather Be Scripting. If you love scripting, terminals, Z shell, JavaScript development, and other random technology tangents as much as we do, we'd love to hear from you. You can always leave a review on your preferred podcasting platform, or you can reach out to us via the social links on our website, idratherbescripting.com. Until next time, I'd rather be scripting.